0: This episode brought to you by Alert Communications. If any law firm is looking for call, intake, or retainer services available 24 7, 365, just call 866 827 5568.
1: Welcome to the AVA Journal Legal Rebels podcast, where we talk to men and women who are remaking the legal profession, changing the way the law is practiced, and setting standards that will guide us into the future.
0: Welcome. I'm your host, Lyle Moran. My guest today is Kathy Earhart, a partner at Freeborn and Peters LLP in Chicago. Kathy is a litigator who has tried cases in federal and state courts throughout the United States, and she focuses on complex commercial litigation. Most recently, she represented two defendants in a civil bench trial conducted via video in Cook County, Illinois. During this episode, we will discuss the protocols Kathy helped develop for the trial and chat about how the video proceedings went. Kathy, thanks for joining me.
2: Thank you for having me, Lyle. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Kathy, could you start briefly by sharing what the trial we were going to discuss was about?
2: Sure. So very generally speaking at a high level, it was a contract dispute over a real estate transaction. We had actually started the trial live in the courtroom with the judge back in February, but because of schedules, we ran out of time and knew we were going to have to reconvene. But then with COVID and the pandemic and all the courts shutting down, we were in a situation where our time to reconvene had come up and the courts weren't open and we had to decide what we were going to do if the case was going to move forward.
0: Great. And so how did the possibility of having the trial resume through video first come up?
2: So it was actually first raised by our judge, who we were in the the law division of Cook County. And I, I believe an instruction had come down to all the judges as they were looking when the courts themselves would fully reopen For the judges to look at their dockets and kind of start considering how best they could manage their dockets, the judge, on a routine status call with us, raised the prospect of whether our clients and the plaintiffs would all be willing to consider continuing our trial, albeit through a remote proceeding.
0: Now, why were you and your colleagues supportive of a video trial before the judge?
2: I think, you know, when you have a case that begins and then has to stop for scheduling purposes, the concern is always letting too much time go by before you reconvene. You hope with a, a judge, a bench trial that your, your judge, you know, maybe pays attention and has a better memory than perhaps if you were in a jury situation. With the passage of time with any trier, of fact, you have concerns about how much, you know, he'll remember from from the prior proceeding. So we didn't want too much time to go by. So I think we all realized and thought, given that, and who knew when there would be courtroom time available for all of us to be in person, that the remote proceeding was one that was definitely something to consider. We also had the added benefit, I would say, unlike a case that maybe had not yet started, Many of the exhibits had already been introduced. There was a familiarity that the judge had with, you know, the key documents, uh, the witnesses and those sorts of things that I think just made it all a little bit more palatable to consider and have as an entree into what is all was a very new type of proceeding for all of us.
0: How did the clients um, react to this idea of continuing the trial via video?
2: You know, I I think, at least from our perspective, getting it done sooner than later was something that they wanted to do. And at least my understanding from plaintiff's counsel was that their clients were very interested in moving this forward and getting it done. And so I think those were kind of just the primary drivers in terms of, you know, weighing the considerations.
0: Now, how did you and the lawyers on the other side go about developing protocols that could be used for this trial?
2: So there was a lot to consider, um, because I think things that you just take for granted when you are live in front of the judge were now open questions. You know, when you have witnesses that are not in the courtroom, and in our case, we had some that were out of state, do they remain under the court's jurisdiction? Can you swear the witness over video? Can you swear the witness in a room alone when they're not in front of the court reporter who's a notary, you know, uh, along the same lines of being under the court's jurisdiction? What if we have something come up and, you know, could a witness be held in contempt? All of these things we had to start brainstorming about those things that are just normal and natural and taken care of when we're all in the same room. What is the answer to those questions and, and how do we best handle them? I think we all did some searching and looking for some guidance with different rules of procedure that are out there and basically kind of just had to have some discussions and start drafting a protocol that we could all agree to, to to handle those types of things.
0: And what were some key elements of the protocols you ultimately came up with?
2: So one was certainly consideration and agreement of uh, the court's jurisdiction And that the proceedings of the witnesses being remote and out of state, you know, that they remained under the court's jurisdiction. It'll be interesting to see if anybody chooses down the road with similar types of issues to challenge those things. In our situation, because we had started, all the witnesses who were going to be appearing and were non-parties had already been subpoenaed. And so the judge had ruled those subpoenas remained in effect, which helped problem-solve for us a little, that the witness still remained under that subpoena, and therefore we all felt answered the jurisdictional question. That may not be the case with other proceedings, but, you know, I think— That was a key area that we wanted to have a protocol to take care of, that everybody was in agreement and then put into a court order. Another thing to just think about that we had to think about was exhibits. Do you rely on just screen sharing through a remote proceeding like a Zoom with the witness? Do you want to have hard copy exhibits in the witness's hands? so that they can look through a full document like you would if you were live in a courtroom. Ultimately, for that, we determined each party could kind of do what they chose. On our side, we sent hard copy exhibits to all the witnesses. And uh, the plaintiffs chose to just screen share, which, you know, both worked. And I think, you know, it depends on the comfort level of the parties and the witnesses.
0: I read as well that the witnesses had to be alone in a quiet room, could not use a virtual background, and had to turn off all electronic devices except for the device that allowed them to participate in the trial. Why were those rules put in place?
2: Well, you know, you really want to try and replicate exactly what it would be if they were live in the courtroom in a real live proceeding. And in that situation, a witness takes a stand. And they, generally speaking, are essentially sequestered and not allowed to speak to anybody during the time that they provide their testimony. So we wanted to try and replicate the same thing. And you have to do that by getting commitment that they are alone that they are not speaking with anyone, and that they're not using any devices to speak to anyone. You know, no one is texting them answers to their questions or thoughts on how they're doing, testifying, and that sort of thing. So that was the goal of those protocols.
0: Great. And now what type of technology ultimately was used so that the trial could proceed via video?
2: Ultimately, what was used was basically what what I call a glorified Zoom. We did utilize a court reporting service, and we interviewed and spoke to a number of those services, and each of them have their own patented or trademarked or various different services that they offer All of which I would say, though, really are a form of a glorified Zoom. So just like people have been during this time getting on Zoom calls and doing those types of conference calls, each day we all dialed into this service, which looks just like a Zoom. The judge was on from his home. Plaintiff's counsel was on from their offices. We were on from our offices. And the witness got on from wherever they were. And we all got on, and when we went to use an exhibit, just like, um, you know, some of your listeners probably, you know, screen share a document to share with someone while they're on a call, we would pull up the PDF of the exhibit and screen share it with the witness and the judge and opposing counsel. And we had the ability to provide control over that document to the witness. So if they wanted to flip to a different page to get the context for the question that was being asked, they could.
0: And were you and um, the lawyers at your firm in the same room, or were you in different spaces?
2: So we did opt to be in the same room. We have a larger conference theater at our firm, and we tried to set it up to replicate as best we could what it would be like if we were in the courtroom. So we had a camera on an easel, and we had a podium that you could use if you wanted, And then we had the sound running through our speaker system. So even though everyone was in a different room, oh, and we we had a large screen that, you know, the Zoom call was up on as well, as well as our individual laptops. So we were really trying to keep that natural feel that we as trial lawyers are used to, whether we wanted to stand or sit as we examined witnesses. But making sure we were all on camera, you know, so that the judge could see us, opposing counsel could see us, and the witness could see each of us individually as well.
0: Right. Well, we'll be back after a short break. As the largest legal-only call center in the U.S., Alert Communications helps law firms and legal marketing agencies with new client intake. Alert captures and responds to all leads 24-7, 365 as an extension of your firm in both English and Spanish. Alert uses proven intake methods, customizing responses as needed, which earns the trust of clients and improves client retention. To find out how Alert can help your law office, call 866-827-5568 or visit alertcommunications.com slash LTN. Welcome back to my conversation with Kathy Earhart. Kathy, could you share overall how you feel the video bench trial went?
2: Sure. You know, I feel it went well, and what I would say is much better than I would have expected. There's always, I think, going to be what I consider a loss when you do remote proceedings, such as the trial or a deposition or anything like that, when you're not in the room with the witness and the trier of fact. In the end, though, it wasn't as significant as I thought it might be, I think as time went on through the trial, we all felt an increasing ability to recapture some of those things that otherwise are lost, the ability to control the witness, the ability to control your examination, the ability to use exhibits, all of which there was a bit of a learning curve for all of us, I think, at the beginning. But given all those things, I I think it went better than I expected. And it'll be interesting because I do think I think it's a bit of an unknown how long this is all going to go forward and how much the courts may be asking all of us as lawyers to consider the use of remote proceedings, you know, at least for some time going forward.
0: Now, did you experience any tech hiccups during the trial?
2: We did. We did. We're only as good as all the individuals' Internet connections. And we did lose a witness for a while, one afternoon, and, you know, we had to adjourn until we could get him back on wireless. And I think that's just going to have to happen. And everyone's going to have to be patient about those types of things. Uh, Fortunately, the parties and the judge, generally speaking, were, you know, uh, also just you have to get used to not talking over each other. That's always a challenge, I think, in the courtroom also. But it's heightened in this kind of setting remotely uh, just because of lags in audio and video. And so you just have to watch the witness and make sure you're not talking over them. So I'd consider that a, a bit of a, I don't know if it's a technical hiccup, but just, you know, another layer to deal with with these types of proceedings.
0: And you mentioned, you know, obviously it's quite different examining a witness via video as opposed to in person, how did you go about trying to overcome those differences?
2: You know, I think it's certainly paying very close attention to what the witness is saying that at least for me, for whatever reason, is harder and takes more focus via a video setting than I felt it does when I'm in the courtroom listening more carefully, and all of those sorts of things. On the other side of things, I think when it's your witness who's on the stand and being examined by the other side, the same sort of thing. It's harder to get your objections in and control the situation and protect your witness. So it's just almost, it's difficult to describe, I would almost say, a, a heightened state of awareness, both when you're examining and when you're defending the witness, necessitated by the by the remote setting
0: now what would the lawyers need to do if they wanted to have a sidebar conversation with the judge
2: so we would notify the judge and we had an individual who was helping us with the tech side of things who could remove the witness and the public from it almost uh, again to to compare to a zoom that that your listeners are probably most familiar with Uh, You know, basically a breakout room that we could go into with the judge that allowed us to speak freely with the judge and have the sidebar communication.
0: And you mentioned a tech assistant. Um, What other roles did that assistant play during the trial?
2: So they were good. Uh, they helped make sure that when we did have some technical hiccups that we all got on, that we all sounded good, um, helped troubleshoot things for the witnesses in particular when they were first joining us and making sure they sounded good, they looked good, they were centered on their video and all those sorts of types of things. Another aspect that we had to deal with with a remote proceeding is, as you know, courts are public forums. And we had to figure out how to make sure this trial was open to the public and there was a public link. And so the tech individual also maintained who was in that room. And there were certain instances, one being our our expert witness, listened into some of the testimony of fact witnesses, just like often happens in a courtroom. The expert sits in for some of the proceedings. And so then when it came time for the expert to take the stand, the tech person helped move them from the public forum over to our proceeding where they were now appearing as a witness. So just various technical things like that.
0: And was this tech assistant um, someone that both parties paid to have um, help with the trial?
2: So we did, in deciding to go with the court reporting service that we did, this was an added feature that was offered, and that we, especially, I think, all being newbies to this kind of situation, that's a very technical word there, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you know, th- we agreed that this we thought would be beneficial to all the parties, and so we did. You know, I, I don't know with more experience if it's not something that, you know, somebody who is maybe more tech savvy than me, wouldn't be able to do on their own. But we found it to be a, a beneficial additional service that we utilized.
0: Now, Kathy, is there anything you can share about how the judge uh, ruled in your case?
2: So the the judge did rule from the bench um, shortly after um, the proceedings were finished. He did find against the defendants on liability and the Remaining conclusion is kind of still a part of um, post-trial motion practice right now.
0: Right. And how many days of trial did you end up doing by video?
2: So by video, we had uh, five days of testimony and then uh, one day of closing arguments. And that was on top of what was four days live with the judge back in February.
0: Okay. Now, I understand the protocols you and lawyers for the other side developed are expected to be used as a template of sort for other Cook County cases. You know, now having conducted this video bench trial, are there any protocols you would tweak moving forward?
2: No, I don't know that there are. I don't know that, you know, we had a protocol, if I'm remembering all our protocols correctly, that dealt with, you know, if somebody can't hear or see, there would be A delay in the proceedings. I think perhaps a little bit more detail about what you do do when you lose a witness like we did. I am biased towards providing hard copy documents to witnesses and exhibits. I think that's beneficial. And had we lost video capabilities at some point and there was a witness that didn't have hard copy documents in hand, we definitely would have had to stop, whereas if they have hard copy witness hard copy documents and the parties were willing to proceed just via audio, we could have. So that might be something I would think going forward you would want to have an agreement that all witnesses have hard copy exhibits if that's feasible. Those are the things that come to mind as I sit here right now.
0: Okay, now is there any other advice you would have for lawyers who are considering or preparing to participate in a video bench trial?
2: You know, I think getting comfortable with the with the the vehicle that you'll be using. Um, we did have the the service that we were using help us with a bit of training. I know myself; I spent some time practicing. I actually had another matter that early in July, I had a number of depositions done remotely via a similar video platform that I think was very beneficial and helped me get a little bit more used to examining a witness and asking questions remotely. So those types of things, I think just, you know, really getting kind of uh, some 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 miles, if you will, a little bit of experience, maybe before you do it. I think it's the same adage as I was taught from the time I was a baby lawyer. You're a much better lawyer. You're you're, you're an even better lawyer each time you get back on your feet. And I think the same is true. You know, with this type of platform, the more you use it, the better you're going to be at it.
0: Well, you mentioned getting a few miles in. Are you ready now to do a video jury trial?
2: Oh, that's a tough question because, you know, I'm hesitant. I'm very hesitant about how this could work for a jury trial. I think I would have some concerns about holding a jury's attention and being able to know if you have their attention. There's just so many distractions when they're remote and not for better or worse, stuck in a courtroom and having to listen to us. I would be concerned about a juror's ability as they sit there to be surfing the internet and researching and doing the things they're not supposed to do. And I would have a lot of concerns about a juror's ability to separate out some things that might be somewhat arbitrary but could impact their view of the credibility of a witness, simple things such as lighting and how the witness looks on camera, things that I have a higher level of trust a judge might be able to separate. You know, I was talking with a partner of mine about this, and he compared it actually to the lessons learned from the Kennedy-Nixon debates and, you know, who looked better on camera. And I think there's something to be said about that. And it doesn't really go to the credibility of the witness. And I would just be concerned about jurors' abilities to separate some of those things out.
0: Okay, yeah, no, I can see where you're coming from. Well, Kathy, thanks so much for joining me today.
2: Well, thank you for having me.
0: I also wanted to thank our listeners for tuning in. Please be sure to rate and review the ABA Journal's Legal Rebels podcast on your favorite podcast listening service. I'm your host, Lyle Moran, signing off.
1: If you'd like more information about today's show, please visit legalrebels.com, legaltalknetwork.com, subscribe via iTunes and RSS, find both the ABA Journal and Legal Talk Network on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn.